horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, welcome back to Winning Ponies. I'm happy to be here myself. Uh, just got back from about a oh, 10 or 11 day foray to the East Coast. Uh, hit not one, not two, but three Hall of Fames. All right, let's see what would be the natural ones in upstate New York. Well, of course, you've got the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Fantastic. Hadn't been there in about 40 years. It's grown a little bit. Same with the National Museum, National Racing Museum Hall of Fame, uh, where I was treated very well Brian, by Brian Bouillet. Um, got to watch the handicapping seminar with Mike Beer. And then I went in the back because they had a thoroughbred, something you don't see on the grounds, and it happened to be Frazil. Now, if you don't know who Frazil is, he is the winningest uh, New York horse ever as far as wins. He won 13 races. Well, who do, who's holding him in the paddock? Uh, Steve Claceres, the trainer. And who comes walking up but Frazzle's former rider, Jackie Davis. And it was like, bing, bada, boom, mm, she was up on that horse and like she had springs in her shoes. It had been a while since the old guy had somebody up on his back, uh, but it was fun to watch. Got a chance to, to talk to Steve and mostly talk to Jackie. And her enthusiasm is just infectious. I'm like, I got to get you on the show. Of course, uh, you know, if the name rings a bell, she's from a legendary riding family. Her sister, Katie, but most notably her brother, Dylan, is siblings. But her father, Robbie, was a mainstay on the New York circuit for so many years i won over three thousand races i'm pretty sure that's off the top of my head but uh you know she was born there spent summers there and went up and won a race for her father the first her first one at saratoga and it was for her father it was very special she's a very interesting woman so i'm looking forward to catching up with her and in the second segment we're going to get this talk with my buddy Tom Quigley. That's right, the only living guy that has a landmark named after him, Quigley's Corner. Place where everybody wants to be. Tom, full of information, a very gracious host, and Delmar was smart enough to scoop him up as kind of their uh, welcoming person for the high-end betters. Now, we are going to look at some of the races with Tom at Del Mar, two-year-old fillies going in uh, different uh, conditions for sure. The uh, Del Mar Juvenile Phillies turf, 
two-year-olds on the turf going a mile should be interesting. And then, how about this? The grade one Del Mar debutante. And guess who has the slight favorite in there? A guy by the name of Bob Baffert. <laughs> so I'm sure Tom's going to catch us up on what's going on on the, on the West Coast. And then um, hopefully... Since we had a nice hit out of Del Mar uh, exactly six days ago, check it out. A $1 place all. We hit seven of eight for over $4,000. That's the easy win forms. There's only one place you can get them, winningponies.com. So come on over, look at them. Uh, we had a winner this afternoon in Indianapolis. They call it the Horseshoe Indianapolis now. Uh, it was a $0.10 cent Super 5 that paid 1108 So if you're looking for the big scores, real easy to get to them. It's the easy win forms over at winningponies.com. So really pumped up for Jackie Davis and my old buddy Tom Quigley. Looking forward to that. That's the layout. And we're here with the latest breaking stories and national news and racing. If you haven't heard already, Queen Elizabeth II has died at the age of 96. I got to admit, all these years I've seen her at the races and stuff, she looked awful good for somebody in her 90s. But, uh, you know, she was uh, the United Kingdom's longest reigning monarch and, quite frankly, the world's most recognized, respected, and revered supporter of horse racing. That's right, the royal family. Um the uh her i'll hit the highlights um but she was twice britain's champion flat owner but that happened a while ago remember she's 96 okay that was in 54 and 57 now she still always had uh success uh and let's not forget the summer of 2013 when estimate carried her silks to the gold cup glory at royal ascot uh, the fixture more associated with her than any other. She would show up in the regal uh, horse-drawn carriage. It was gorgeous. And uh, after acceding to the throne following the death of her father, King George VI, you all remember him, back in 52, that was only 70 years ago, uh, she says she's going to continue to race and breed the royal string of horses, of which she did very successfully. Uh, racing was her primary interest. Um, she attended the Derby at Epsom, and every day she was at Royal Ascot. Um, which used to begin with a royal procession. I think they tailed back at them. But nonetheless, she was there to show her support for racing. Uh, her horses won four of the five British classics. Um, it just uh, had amazing success. Um, and just last year, she had more success on British race courses than any point since they were keeping records, and that was back in 88, um, 36 wins um, earned by her horses and the top 20 leading owners. So uh, QE2, 
you will be missed by the racing world. I'm sure you're going to see a lot about it on the national news in the days ahead. All right, moving forward. Flightline, how good is this beast? Undefeated, lightly raced, but he's awesome when he performs. We're going to ask Tom Quigley about his insights and any inside information he has on the future of the horse. There's rumors he may be back to run at five, which would be fantastic. So Flightline just dominated everybody in the Pacific Classic. Now, people thought they were going to be able to get a, a chunk of the family coming up at the Keeneland Sale, but Summer Wind Equine, Jane Lyons, has decided to pull the horse out of the sale, and I'm guessing there'll be some big-time people coming in. Now, this is a half-brother. This one is by Curlin, and since then, of course, the mayor has had a, uh, a, uh, uh, a tappet, and a uh, into mischief not bad there so uh off that was one of the four graded stakes wins uh that flavian pratt had which easily got him uh jockey of the week title and uh he's doing very very well people weren't sure how we do he's been flying back and forth of course he's not going to miss anything at flight line still went back to win a graded stakes race at saratoga uh on the closing day card in the bernard barouche so uh flavia and pratt congrats hey two outstanding people barbara livingston who was a guest on this show about four weeks ago and uh DRF clocker Mike Welsh. If you don't go up and watch this, his reports, you're really missing something. This guy has been clocking the horses for decades. He's got great insights, not only in how they warm up, how they finish up after work, how their work went, and how they look when they returned. Great insight. Uh, Mike Welsh deserved, I mean, one of the one of the guys that's boots on the ground. He's not afraid to be in the trenches. Now, here's something new, a new voice at Naira, that's right, John Embriel is retiring as the full-time track announcer. And uh, he's been with Naira for 43 years, but it looks like uh, he is going to uh, stick around to uh, call the races at Saratoga. So, uh, no, no, as a matter of fact, he won't be at Saratoga and Aqueduct. He'll be at Belmont. I'm, I'm guessing he lives closer to there. So who's going to come in? Frank Miramonde, who's the announcer at Santa Anita Park and Monmouth Park. He'll be uh, filling in the gaps. Uh, Frank's a solid announcer. It'll be very interesting. And, of course, end of the year, Irad Ortiz and Chad Brown. No big surprises here. They win the riding title at saratoga it almost like it was determined that way from the start and if you're still looking for more great racing it's down there at kentucky downs they had to cancel a day due to weather but that's been moved you're still going to get the action top horses and now that saratoga's over you're seeing a lot a lot of excuse me uh top trainers and top jockeys they're going to be competing down at that unique course, including Joseph O'Brien, who says, wow, this is just like a European racetrack. I feel right at home. 
Well, I'm going to feel right at home when we get back on the phone with uh, Jackie Davis and I uh, get a chance to talk about her career growing up at Davis and her early time cutting her teeth with none other than Hall of Famer Chris McCarron. I'm John Engelhart. You are listening to Winning Ponies. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show, Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me now, as I told you, the head of the show, very excited to get Jackie, Jackie Davis on with me. I was, it was just one of those things, right place, right time. I, I was at the a National Museum of Racing at the Hall of Fame, and uh, Brian Bouye said, hey, John, come on out back. We got a thoroughbred. I didn't know if that was something they did every week or not. He goes, no, 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 this is rare because it turned out to be Frazzle. I'm probably saying his name, but anyhow, the winningest uh, horse in New York as far as the 13 wins at Naira Tracks. And who was aboard for some of those sensational wins, but none other than Jackie Davis. I didn't expect to see her. And so I turned around, Steve Placeris, the trainer's in there, and all of a sudden, coming across the parking lot and i go that's got to be a jockey and they said yeah that's jackie davis and she goes in this little paddock jumps up on that horse like she had springs on her boots he was a little shocked at first but then she got acquainted with her old buddy and then since then i got to talk with her uh just exciting vibrant i'm gonna end because i want to hear her talk jackie davis welcome to winning ponies Oh, awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, Jackie, first of all, I, I don't know whether to start 
from now and go back. So let, let's start at the beginning. What was it like growing up in, I believe, a rather large family headed up by legendary jockey Jackie Davis? What was it like growing up around there? And you were born in Saratoga, correct? Um, no, actually, I was born in Long Island. And because um, my dad was full force riding from from before I was born. So he was on the New York circuit. So uh, um, the first, actually there's six kids. Um, the first three of us were born in Long Island and then dad retired for a little bit after a racing accident. And um, we moved out West back, back home to Idaho. And then my brothers, one of my brothers in California and then Katie was in Idaho and D- then Dylan was born in Long Island when we came back. And, um, we actually, he rode, rode the New York circuit. So I spent, oof, I spent, uh, um, oh geez. We spent every summer of my life in Saratoga and we did the Belmont meet. So I started, I would start school from September to December in Long Island. And then we would transfer to our Florida school from December to June. So I'd split half the year up in Long Island and, and, and Florida which I loved doing. We loved winters in Florida with dad. And, um, it was always exciting. Dad always, since he was an adrenaline junkie, obviously we, uh, I told him it was his fault. We were all jockeys because from a young age, we were doing the dirt bikes and four wheelers and, um, inner tubing with the boat and anything he could think of. He would Jimmy rig it. And we, I was, and we'd always have a really good time. Actually, it was always great. And, uh, Actually, dad retired in 2003, so my sis- my younger sister, Dylan and Katie, were in elementary school. So they actually, that's when we moved to Saratoga, and uh, they they spent most of their child a good chunk of their childhood growing up in Saratoga. But um, I got did my last year of high school, and then I left for Kentucky for the jockey school. Well, now I you know this last week I've been going over watching videos. My God. You- <laughs> they go back. They go back ten years with you and your father. Okay, um, but yep. one of the things he said one day, and I'll tell you what, he doesn't look like he's missed a day of work because most of his interviews, he couldn't stop doing what he was doing, throwing saddles on horses and getting them in and out of stalls. And uh, I, I think he said, correct me if I'm wrong, that you know, Dylan seemed to be uh, automatically kind of attracted to him, and uh, for you it was like, uh, yeah, nice thing, but he didn't personally think at that time it would turn out to be your livelihood um actually it was one of those things where um when i was growing up i always wanted to be a jockey and i was always inspired by like diane nelson and julie crone and a bunch of the women that were on the new york circuit that i wa- that i grew up watching as i went to the races and then once i hit a certain age my dad started pushing me away from it because it, like when i hit like my preteens, 13, 14. And he, he, it, it is not, it, it is predominantly male dominated. So it's not easy for, it's not easy for a man to make it in our industry, let alone, you know, a woman, you know what I mean? And, uh, so he, he tried to steer me away from it. So I kind of stopped to asking him about it, but I always had it in my head in the back, like, that that's something I would definitely want to be interested in. And when, after I graduated high school, I went to, I actually went to Hudson Valley Community College up, up by Albany in Troy. And I did a year of fine arts because I wanted to, I wasn't quite sure I wanted to do something in the fashion industry. 
But after a year of that, I was, I was, I'll be honest, I was bored out of my mind. It wasn't for me. And then I kind of <laughs> threw the shocker on through a, through a, a kind of wrench in my dad and, and caught him off guard telling him, dad, I'm, I'm going to be a jockey. And he, it, it, it came from left field and he was, he was not for it. He said, my daughter's not going to do this. And it was, it was just a fight for a couple of weeks. And, uh, we finally sat down and I said, dad, I, Chris McCarron starting the jockey school. I said, I can go to college at the same time as learning to be a, learning the gallop and the industry. And it's kind of almost like a controlled environment. If, if you as controlled as it could be, I guess. And, uh, and I told him we're going to learn from the bottom up and, and that, that got him to come around, but it was great. He took, we went for a car ride and he goes, you sure you really want to do this? He says, you know, you like kids. You could be a first grade teacher. Um, it's a lot safer. And I said, dad, this is what I want. Either I'm going to do it. I just almost like, I was like, either you're going to prove you're not going to prove, but you're with me. You're not with me. I'm going. And, and he laughed because he knows. And then he really came around and now if you ask his side of the story, it was his idea. So I let him. Well, uh, we're uh, talking with Jackie Davis now. Now, Jackie, uh, f- full transparency. I called one of your old teachers today, and he gave me a full report on you. And that would be none oh, other Chris? than Hall of I, 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 Chris McCarran. And I said, so oh. Chris, he said, he said one of the greatest calls I ever got was from uh, Robbie Davis. And at that time, he had yeah. no idea what, what the rest of the call was going to be out, be about. And he's like, so he started telling me his daughter was interested, but he really wanted to make sure she got the well-rounded education. And at that time, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it was the national, the American Riding, I forget the full the name. The North of American it. Riding Academy, Racing Thank Academy, you. Racing Academy. Thank you. I was down there to cover the opening of it. Now I can't even remember their name. But uh, well, if you anyhow, covered the opening, we met then because I was there. Well, I was he, the first class. I know you were, but he, he said, yeah. Robbie, he's like, you're one of the most accomplished riders I know. Yeah. Why are you yeah. sending my, your daughter to me? He goes, well, you know, I'm not quoting him, but basically – because I wanted to learn from somebody else, and I figured you'd be the best guy to do it. And so Chris took well, that from your father, an ultimate compliment. And so I'm thinking, I said, so so did so being the daughter of a successful jockey, did she come in all polished? And there was a pause. <laughs> he said, no, Jackie still had a lot to learn. <laughs> I said, really? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so then, you know, he described a little bit of progression. He says, now, Dylan, on the other hand, when he came, seemed to have a little bit of a leg up on her, and he kind of moved through a little bit quicker. So uh, I, I I met Chris during that first year. I don't know if you were one of the group. He used to make uh, trips up to River Downs Racetrack with his classes, and I don't know if he had started. Yeah. For, were you there? Uh, did you I did not go to River Downs with him, so it might have been another class or two after me. Well, I'll I'll tell you exactly what happened with that, though. So when I was applying for the school, I did not tell anybody who I was because I wanted to get in the school on my own accord. 
And at the time, my dad wasn't training. He had no horses at the farm. So I and we really didn't we did a lot of backyard riding. So we didn't really we didn't we we I knew how to ride, but we didn't keep up with it to, to really like do anything special. And when um, and then when Chris finally found out when I was when I faxed them my 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 um, paper that said about me and it asked, do you know anybody in the racing industry, family, friends? And I was like, well, I can't lie on this. (laughs) (laughs) I said, my dad. And then he called the house right away. He goes, are you crazy, Robbie? And then they got there going to each other. And he says, well, with your, with your acceptance to my dad, he said, then I'll, we'll take her in. We'll take, we'll take, we'll accept her. And then finally, uh, and, and I went through it and I had a great time. What a great experience the school was. But when, when Dylan came about coming to ride, my dad was already training. So he was able to, and he had horses at the farm. So he started putting the tack on the horses and saying, come on, you know. And he had a little different reaction when, obviously, when Dylan came to saying he wanted to be a jockey versus his little princess, you know, which was expected. <laughs> and, well, uh, I- he even told me, he said he gave me a, nine, a 90 to 1 chance that I would make it. Wow. And we, yeah. And, uh, and now he laughs. He goes, I've got to eat my words. And, but that's, that's how we all are. All me and my brothers and sisters, we're all brutal. We're honest and we're, we're, we don't hold back when we have something we got to say. And we, we praise each other when needed. And we, and we're major competition. Like there's so many, like, Oh, it's so funny. And now Trevor McCarthy is married to my sister and he's involved in our group chat. So we, we tease each other all the time and it doesn't matter if it's for a win second or third, if we beat each other, we're, we're, we're letting each other know and laughing about it. Well, I'll I'll tell you this from our conversation. Chris takes exceptional pride in you because you were from his first class and you're still riding. As you know, uh, the, the people that go and that go through the school, and let's face it, they're there. Some of them for other reasons. It's a very well-rounded program, but yeah. at that time, it was you know America's Riding Academy. You know they've got them in Peru, they got them in Puerto Rico. You know they've got yeah. them in, in other countries. And you know Chris's whole reason was why doesn't America have one of these? You know these guys come into our country with a big leg up on the American riders. Yeah. It was a fantastic uh, concept, and so. It- just to move on, Jackie, he takes exceptional pride in you. I want you to know. Uh, I, saw, I, got, I got to see Chris over Trevor's weekend. It was so exciting to see him. I miss him. He really, I, I really do appreciate and, like, give him, like, he had a, lot, a major play in my career on, and, and just making us as tough as, he's as tough as my dad. It's so, it was so funny. He just, if you didn't have anything correct, like you, you're, you're, if your horse wasn't up to par, the stall, you didn't do something right. And you, you sat out, you didn't ride that day. And you really had to learn from the ground up. It was incredible. I, I did groom on three horses at the end of the first year. And the, the, in, and I thought the racing school was a, it was a wonderful idea because we are technically the only country that doesn't have one. And most countries, it's mandatory to go through the school before they give you a jock's license. Right. And uh, uh, predominantly of the riders that, that, that we have in this country, most of them do come from other countries. So they've already had the school experience. So 
and and I I I'm not quite sure, but over on the East Coast, there's not a lot of um, like riders that are from from America. I know in the West, in the Midwest, and the West, and all that, they 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 are they live, you know they are they live like there. They, they, yeah they grew up there that's their neighborhood so you know yeah and there's a lot of but there's a lot of farms and people are riding and and when you come from long island it's you don't really have that experience but and but i think the idea is wonderful and i really wish it would take off but we gotta you know time will tell right well Jackie, it was really heartwarming uh, to, to see you on on, on Saturday morning uh, at, at the National Museum. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I didn't know it was going to happen. You know, uh, Brian just said, hey, go back here. There's something cool going on, not knowing you were going to show up. Uh, but just uh, <laughs> here's Frazzle. He's retired now. But the, the, the winningest horse on the New York circuit with 13 wins, and you, you were aboard for several of those wins. And uh, like I said, you, you, you popped up on that horse like you had springs in your <laughs> shoes. He was a little startled at first, but after a while, he kind of cooled down. But that had to be pretty cool to get back to a horse that got you three wins in New York. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I got lucky. I got to win on him twice with two, two separate trainers. They actually, um, with Abigail Adfit. And I actually went to high school with her and we didn't know each other in high school though. We graduated Saratoga the same year. And then for, uh, for Steve, Chris Harris. And, uh, and when I got legged up on him, it was funny cause he got excited. Like he thought like we were going to do something fancy. Again. Yeah. Like he, he, like he remembered me, he looked back at me like, Oh no, you again. <laughs> 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 and I was like, Oh no, please don't fuck me off. <laughs> and I was laughing. I was like, I'd be so embarrassed if that was the way I fell off. But, uh, no, he was just, it, you don't get to experience horses like him. He just, he, he's, I rode him when he was 10 years old and he just knows his way around the racetrack. It's almost like you just stay out of his way. He knows what he's doing. And, and those are the, those are like, I don't get too many of those, but they just, it's a beautiful thing. Well, you know, Jackie, you, you go from the, uh, up saratoga new york but you've really cut a niche for yourself in a central part of the state for now uh, at finger lakes and you've, you've always been in the standings uh is that a tough go because i grew up in central new york and weather kind of comes and goes i'm gonna guess you're you're used to riding in some pretty funky weather on funky tracks yeah you know what my i i've never spent I've been riding, I think, about 14 years now, and I've never spent a, win- a winter out of the cold. So I, I did, uh, before I went to Finger Lakes last year, I was in Penational for four years. So I spent with night, night with winter racing through the night. And uh, you just kind of, I'm very lucky because I'm very little. So I'm about 4'10". I maybe wear, if I'm lucky, I'm 105 pounds, which I try to keep. And in the summer, it's hard for me to keep weight on me because, you know, you work harder and it's hot and you sweat and all that. And, uh, so I can pretty much wear as much clothes as I want during the winter because it won't affect my weight. So I'm very lucky on that aspect. And, um, and so the winter really doesn't bother me. I like the cold and maybe one day I'll be able to go to California or Florida, you know, what, when that day comes, if it comes, then we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it then. But, uh, 
I'm having a great time here in Finger Lakes. It reminds me a lot. Living in this area reminds me a lot of Saratoga, and it's nice and it's quiet, but it doesn't have to be if you don't want it to be. And uh, well, I really enjoy riding in. Go ahead, sorry. As one that grew up in the area, I, I, I can testify to that. Now, in, in closing out this segment, and I'd rather go an hour Sorry. with you, but they won't let me. <clears throat> how <laughs> I about talk for an hour? Go ahead. <laughs> I know that's why. Once I talk to you, I'm like, ooh, I want to get her on. She's good. Uh, was was it, it was rated, I believe, the number three greatest event at Saratoga this summer. Now, with with 17 Grade One races. Number three oh, was your victory and reaction to it. And I talked to other guys, Tom Law and, and Major, and they, they said, John, they said, that was as good as any grade one race we covered all summer. Your reaction was beautiful. Yeah. The photos came across. And then they followed you as you walked all the way back to the jocks room. <laughs> and you never stopped talking with a smile on your face the whole way. What was that like? If you could wrap that up for us in about a minute, it's probably impossible. Oh, oh Jesus. Um, so, uh, like I said, riding for my dad and the family and the backstory with the owners, it just, the owners, they were all professional photographers and they were, during COVID, they were kicked, they weren't allowed on the, on the ground. So they were upset because they're just wonderful people. So they all got together and bought this horse and they said, we're not going to, they're not going to, they're not going to keep us out anymore. So, but every time I win for my dad, it's like winning my first race. It's just, I, I my parents work so hard. My mom and dad are there every day doing stalls. My dad gallops. My they work as hard as each other. And technically, it's dad's retirement, quote unquote. But uh, so just to win for the family is just it, it's such a wonderful thing because it's just people don't realize that the racing industry is a family affair. We all consider each other family, and we root for each other. And there might be times that you're not you're not. They might be low times, but the high time, every time you win a race and the highs beat out the lows. And I, I just, when that hole opened up on the rail for me and Val, Valahuya, I just, I, I, and I knew I had it. I wanted, I just, I was so happy. I was in tears and, and just, it, it's unexpected. It, it's so hard to explain it. And I've never heard the crowd the way I heard. It was almost like the tra- <sighs> how I would hear the Travers on the other side of the fence watching it. Yes. And the, it, suppo- the support of the fans is just, it's just mind blowing. It's so, it puts you on cloud nine. I don't, I can't explain that. They love it's what you. we live for. They love you. And, and it was a great story. And, you know, all, all I could do is thank you and wish you well and wish I had booked you for both segments this evening, Jackie. So I hope I can get back <laughs> with you uh, when you when, when you win your next grade one. And we could talk about mm-hmm. the thrill of that. And there's a lot of parts of this story I know we had to skip over in our brief time. But okay. it was a it was a joy. Oh, now, uh, was that your mom that came to, to join you when you were at the museum? Yes, that was my mom. Yeah. Yeah. She, I just, actually, I just left dad's barn. I breathed a couple from my brother, Eddie, that trains and my dad. And I was like, come on, we got to We got to go over here. We got to go see my frazzle. And she's like, OK, OK. She's like, well, she really didn't know what was going on. And then and, and she's so funny. She's 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 my rock or my dad. Hey, what's her name so I can label the photo I want to send to you? Oh, Marguerite. Marguerite. Okay. Do you want me to spell well, it? I, yeah. 
I will let you go at this point. But hey, thanks for awesome. taking the time to talk with Jackie. Best of luck. Awesome. Anytime there. I'll come back anytime you want. We can talk some more. I love I'm it. also I, coming up I'm coming up on my eight hundredth win, which is awesome. I think that gives us another reason for more conversation. I love it. Thanks for having me so much. I enjoyed my time right now. All right. That was Jackie Davis on Winning Ponies. What a breath of fresh air for racing. We need more like her. But we also need more outstanding, legendary handicappers like Tom Quigley. And after this quick break, Tom's going to be with us here. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. Oh, and here's a great guy. I've been meaning to get back on this show uh, for a long time. So I reached out to him. I'm going to say about a month ago, uh, there were some big races coming up on the West Coast. And Tom could not be with us because he was uh, suffering from uh, the terrible COVID. But your voice sounds pretty good. I guess you came out on the other side of it, huh? John, good to be with you. You know, they say good things come to those who's wait, who to those who wait, and uh, we <laughs> waited it to uh, speak until after the Pacific Classic. And of course, uh, I know we're short on time, but we'd be remiss to not talk about uh, Flightline's brilliant performance in the Pacific Classic last weekend. Well, I've got a list of things to talk to you about, and that is at the top. Now, in historical reference, um, do we look at this horse potentially in the rarefied air of a an American pharaoh and affirmed a Seattle slough who was undefeated going in the Triple Crown and um, and horses like that. I, I think there's some slight naysayers that say, yeah, but you know the way he's spacing his races and those fields are a little short in California. Uh, but I'm telling you. You've been there for every one of his races. He looks like a Pegasus god out there. You know, John, I always say no matter what level of handicapper you are, always trust your eyes. So, you know, we're a divided country, and, of course, the East Coast thinks their horses are superior. Likewise, out here on the West Coast, 
we think our horses are superior. So you're never going to get a consensus on whether or not Flightline is one of the all-time greats. But I'll tell you what, look at his record. Look at his body of work for his first five races in his career. That's all he's run is five races. His fourth career race, he shipped back east, ran in the uh, Metropolitan Mile, the Met Handicap, broke from the rail. The New York jockeys tried to gang up on him. He would have none of that, and he earned a buyer's speed trigger of 112. Now, last weekend here at Del Mar, he was going two turns for the first time, never been a mile and a quarter. He set up a, a half-mile fraction of 46 and change and put on the afterburners and left a, a, the Dubai World Cup winner in his, in his wake, beating him by 19 lengths, earning a buyer's speed trigger of 126. Now, you're, you know, you're a racing historian. Give me the name of another horse that has accomplished that in their first five career starts. All the great horses you mentioned, whether it's American Pharaoh, Secretariat, Alidar, Affirmed, it took them a while, right? They ran against their own age group. Of course, they were magnificent horses, and of course, they're, they're some of the all-time greats. But as you look through the record books, there's no, there's no horse who's accomplished this much in their first five career starts. Is he going to win the Breeders' Cup, by, oh, Breeders Cup Classic by Opelinks? I don't know. I don't really care because I know we're looking at kind of a once-in-a-lifetime horse that is basically just, uh, you know, God's gift to us to enjoy for however many performances he can put out on the racetrack because he's a very, very special equine. He really is. Now, uh, going around the uh, uh, Twitterverse today, uh, I'm hearing inklings that they're talking about racing him another season. You've got your ear to the dirt out there. What are you hearing? You know, Mr. Ronis, who owns the horse in conjunction with uh, uh, West Point Thoroughbred and some other uh, uh, ownership interests as well, including the breeder, I'm sure they're going to have a discussion at the end of the year. I mean, one of the things that happens, and you know this, John, just being a handicapper and a horseman is sometimes, and it's not just flight line, it's any horse. Sometimes when the horses run so brilliantly, it knocks them out, and they're not able to really put together a strong series of races. And we see that with flight line. He's got interruptions in between all of his races. He needs time to recover because he puts his body out on the line and puts down such magnificent performances that we really don't see from 99.9% other thoroughbreds that it takes them a while to recover. So I'm sure being sports people, men and women, that they would like to see the horse continue on the racetrack. Keep in mind, the money that this horse is going to earn as a stallion is astronomical. He's a son of Tappet. He cost a million dollars himself. God only knows what the stud fee is going to be. I'm sure there'll be a discussion after the Breeders' Cup to see if they want to continue the horse to race. I would love nothing more as a horse racing fan to see, to see him to continue to race. But I think at the end of the day, you know, the, the money is going to speak and there's going to be a hard decision to be made by the ownership group. Well, Tom, I, I hope it's a sportsman's decision because, as you know, every year we need a new one. You know, I was talking to Eric Reed last week uh, when he was coming back from the Travers, and, you know, he, he really felt that Rich Strike earned a little respect in that race. He was only beating a long neck for a second. And he said, you know what, John? He says, hey, <laughs> I just wanted to get some respect out of that race, and I think he said he did. He goes, but you know what? Those three horses that finish in front of us, they're not going to be racing next year. I'm going to be racing next year. So I'm that's, really looking that's, forward that's, to that. Yeah, that's the beauty of a gelding, right? That's what we saw with John Henry no, and some others, he, unfortunately. No, no, he's not gelded. He, oh, he's, that's right. He's not. He, what a no, claim. F- no, farms are already 
calling uh, calling our you know a derby winner is a derby winner particularly european countries would love to have one or far east countries would like to have one and uh so he knows that the offers are on the table but he's like there's so much money to be won out there particularly with all the horses that we feel that he is a part of the club that aren't going to be around anymore i i digress I, I just hope that Flightline is one of the horses he gets to run at least second to next year. <laughs> but well, uh, let's hope it, whether Flightline's around or not around that we can get Rich Strike out here to the West Coast next year for one of our important handicap races because he's a cool horse. He needs some help up front in terms of a pace, but he's got a wicked leg kicking, like you said, John. He lost nothing in defeat. A lot of us out here are rooting for him because we wanted to see him vindicate his Kentucky Derby victory with a victory in the Travers. And don't forget the name Eric Reed, because if you go back through your history books, you'll see he shipped out there one year, and Zenyatta beat his horse by a head. That's a compliment to anybody. <laughs> to, it to sure is, and, he, and he's, a, he's a fantastic horseman. There's no mistake about that. So, so, so we'll find out, but that's great. Well, all right. Now, there's other questions I want to ask about Southern California. I've got to ask you a historic question. You know, most people don't live long enough to see a landmark named in their honor. I mean, you know, normally, you know, somebody's dead and then they go, you know, we got to honor this guy. Let, 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 let's give him a section of the track or, uh, you know, second base at the stadium or whatever. W- what's it like to have a part of uh, a racetrack named after you? Quigley's Corner. And for those that don't know, tell us about uh, how, how you got to that position. No, uh, you're too flattering, John. I don't want to, uh, you know, talk too much about that because obviously it's a, it's a great tribute, but both at Santa Anita and at Del Mar, there's a spot on the pot- paddock where I stand. And there's a method to my madness because you mentioned you had visited uh, uh, Saratoga for the Travers. If by chance you happen to uh, jump out here to Southern California and visit us at Del Mar, there's no way you could get past me because I'm right in the paddock, right by the jocks room. And so no matter who comes to town, I'm able to see them and kind of hold court. And it just uh, turns into a, a daily exercise of having fun and swapping stories like we're doing now and handicapping the horses. So it's, uh, it's been ongoing now for at least 10, 15, 20 years, ever since I uh, published the magazine, which was Horse Player Magazine. Of course, the world has changed. Not many magazines are still in existence. Unfortunately, Horse Player Magazine no longer is. But Twitter is now around, and you can follow me on Twitter and kind of be part of the scene remotely at Quigley's underscore corner, but uh, it's a labor of love. And obviously I'm very active here in Southern California. And, uh, you know, I'm blessed to be able to do, to be able to work at, uh, at a, in a job or at a job that there, uh, that basically I would be at every day if I was working in a nine to five job uh, and come out on the weekends. Now, now Tom, does part of your job take you to the morning workouts, perhaps on an, on an everyday basis? And if so, what does flight line look like in the morning? Well, here's the beauty of Southern California, John, and I would encourage all your listeners to do this. You can go to a website called xbtv.com, and rather than waking yeah. up at 4 in the morning here on the West Coast, they actually record all the workouts for the majority of Southern California horses. So whether it, And you can watch them free of charge, by the way. So whether I you do. want to see Flightline's previous workouts, and they're all cataloged, they're all part of a library that you can go back and look at historically, or whether you're handicapping a maiden race, say, with a first-time starter, where you'd actually, rather than maybe read about the workouts, you'd actually actually like to visually see the works, you can go to that website and actually watch it free of charge. So I would encourage those listeners of yours who like to play Southern California, or even if they just want to see 
some of Flightline's previous morning workouts, just go to that website, xbtv.com, and you can pull them up on demand absolutely free of charge. It's a great resource we have out here in Southern California. And Flightline, uh, to answer your question specifically, John, Flavian Pratt, who uh, was primarily based on the East Coast for most of this year, would fly cross-country just to work Flightline in the mornings at Santa Anita. So that gives you an idea of how much he thought of the horse. He wouldn't come out here to ride any races. He would just come out here to work Flightline in the morning. And, of course, uh, you know, the rest is history, as they say. I'm guessing you and the Southern California uh, folks are kind of uh, proud of Flavian in that uh, when he made that move, and we don't know or believe that it'll be full-time, um, but uh, you know, some of the East Coasters say, well, let's see what he's got out here. And, and he damn well proved himself. He even took the day after the Pacific Classic, jumped on a plane and won a grade two on closing day at Saratoga. So, uh if you think this guy is just kind of a niche uh, West Coast rider, he certainly disproved the uh, East Coast pundits. Yeah, we knew that he was very talented and he wanted to go back there to showcase his talents to perhaps win an Eclipse Award. I'm not sure he accomplished that, but he certainly vindicated his ability. And it's actually ironic, John. It made for better gambling out here on the West Coast because when Flavian was based here full time, uh, you know, he dominated the jockey standing so much and he was over bet so much that it was really difficult to turn a profit. But in his absence, while he was back east, you know, we had other jockeys like Juan Hernandez and Humberto Rispoli and Joe Bravo and Hector Barrio ship in here from uh, South Florida. And it actually made for better gambling because there wasn't one dominant jockey. Now, Juan Hernandez is going to win the Del Mar standings from a jockey standpoint, but there was certainly a, plenty of love to spread around, and it wasn't dominated as it had been in years past with Flavian dominating the jockey room. Now, with you there on 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 the west coast uh, you've probably only seen bob baffert about three million times but uh I, we know on the east coast he was considered persona non grata during this tumultuous period w was he still at the races on a regular basis or was he uh, kind of restricted from there and is it good to see him back yeah he was uh not allowed onto the grounds of the racetrack so he was not around during the period of his suspension he is now back. Um, obviously, he's been doing a lot of traveling, both testifying in Kentucky in some of his current uh, trial issues, as well as he's going back for the Keeneland sale, which I believe starts this coming Monday. Not sure he'll be actually at the races this weekend because in speaking with him, I know he wanted to kind of scout a few of the select few that he might be willing to bid on in book number one. So he definitely is back out of the track, uh, principally at Del Mar. His suspension lasted for most of the San Anita meet, but now that he's off suspension, You'll certainly see him uh, on TV, both uh, in the paddock and uh, and hopefully in the winter circle. Is, is there a somewhat emotional sigh of relief, like, ah, let's put this behind us and just move forward? Because let's face it, as far as getting a young horse re ready, I don't think he's a better guy. Maybe Wesley Ward, uh, other than Baffert. They're, they're two different cuts of cloth, but they both come out with great results. But the guy is amazing and it's not a magic that you rub into with betamethasone it's a magic to his ability of seeing and assessing the horses in his barn he's sensational he is and uh, you know basically his results speak for themselves now keep in mind he gets uh, you know very high priced yearlings at the sales but he knows how to oh, yeah. develop on his, his his team has been with him a long time and so they know what to do and so it's you know it's uh, it's you know wh whether you're running in the Del Mar Debutante uh, which is the race this coming Saturday 
or the Delmar Futurity, which is the two-year-old stakes for Colts and Geldings on Sunday. You know, you have to beat Bob Baffert in order to win, to win either of those two stakes races. Yes, I might. I, I, I have to admit, there's probably some horses in a barn in his barn that Tom, Tom Quigley or John Engelhardt could probably win with first time out, <laughs> just off their pedigree. But uh, he 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 does have that magic touch, and it's I'm glad to see him back. To be honest, you know, but I you know uh, I I just uh, I, I I always thought he was a good guy. So uh, so much for the ne'er do wells, uh, but. It's it's exciting to have you 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 back on Tom. I'm number one. I'm really glad you came out the right side of COVID. That's not a pleasant thing. And as you and I both have a lot of friends that have been affected by it, it's good to hear that you sound as fit as a fiddle. Well, thank you, John. I actually feel fit as a fiddle, and it's funny you you would use that terminology. I'll use a quick uh, analogy. I'll I'll reference Dallas Stewart who, of course, is based in your neck of the woods. And I remember a few years ago, they asked him uh, uh, during an interview at Saratoga, what's it like, uh, you know, at Saratoga? He goes, well, it's no problem surviving the days at Saratoga. It's surviving the nights at Saratoga that become problematic. So I'm well aware of those nights here at Del Mar as well. And every year I go see my doctor for a clean bill of health, which I got. And then lo and behold, the first weekend down here, I came down with COVID. And like you said, it wasn't a pleasant experience, but back to 100% and uh, able to enjoy some of the nightlife here and of course, we're coming up on closing weekend uh, this Sunday, a couple of weeks at Los Alamitos here on the West Coast before going back to San Anita on Friday, September 30th for a lot of our big Breeders' Cup prep races that weekend. Well, Tom Quigley, I hope we can reach out to you in the days ahead. It's great to hear your voice again. Be well, my friend. You do the same, John, and hopefully I'll see you out here where the turf meets the surf one year. You'll decide to come here rather than, uh, rather than the spa. I've got to do it. Take care, Tom. Have a great, have a great night, John. Thanks for the time. All right, sensational evening. Just uh, winded it up with Tom Quigley, and you, you, you heard the, uh, uh, the the voice of of uh, Katie Davis. She, she's pumped up. She's had a great love life. She loves what she's doing, and she's got some great stories to go with it. So for Jackie, Tom, and my outstanding producer, Josh Bygosh. I'm John Engelhart. I want to thank you for listening, and I remind you, you want the big winners? Come on over to winningponies.com and pull down those easy win forms. Have a great weekend of racing, everybody. Great to talk to you again. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.